Welcome to All Angles. My name is Andrew Thomas, and today I'm sitting down with Ryan Wright. Ryan is an enterprise account executive at LinkedIn, where he has worked for over five years. He is passionate about the company's vision of creating economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. Ryan is passionate about technology, business, and politics, and currently lives in San Francisco with his husband and Australian Shepherd. When he isn't working, you can find him on long hikes with his dog around the Bay Area, listening to podcasts, or at the gym. Today, Ryan has joined us to talk about the future of work. Thank you, Ryan. I'm so excited to kind of talk to you, especially now, you know, we're recording in January. And so this, I think work is a big topic conversation in a lot of um, people's minds right now, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, great podcast voice, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been working yeah, on like, you know, each episode. Just I have to just improve it just a little bit. No, that was perfection. That was very like Ezra Klein. You're listening to the daily. So <laughs> good. I love it. Well, good. Well, why don't we jump right in? I want to get to know you a little bit more. And so knowing just basics about your story and everything else, what I really want to know is kind of what would your younger self not believe about your life today? Yeah. Uh Good, good question. Um, this is something I think about relatively often. I think uh, my younger self would be pretty thrilled, happy to report on on what my life has become. Uh, I have a wonderful husband. Uh, we live in San Francisco, which is one of my favorite cities on earth. Um, and we've we've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to have good careers, wonderful friends, uh, close and far, um, and. It, just kind of lies we're, we're energized to to wake up to every day. So um, previous to, to 2022 and beyond, I'm I, I pinch myself every day on how fortunate I've been in life and the people that have uh, impacted me and, and lifted me up along the way and um, hoping to, to pay that forward as well. So I, I think there's not one thing I can I can point to really that my my younger self wouldn't believe. I think the the short answer is all of it. Uh, and I'm I'm thankful for that every day. I love that. No, and so like if your younger self was reading reading a book, right? Like your um, autobiography, autobiography and everything. What would be this title? To what would be the title of this chapter currently? I think this this chapter would probably be um, just expansion uh, and growth. I think uh, during during COVID uh, and and still being in the midst of COVID. Uh, it's it's caused a lot of people, myself included, to to pause, to look at what's what's truly important, and to to reevaluate some things, um, but to also um, recalibrate really what energizes you, uh, what's exciting. Um, my my husband and I just to kind of go back to what I pinch myself about is is this next year we're really excited to continue to expand and grow in in our lives with our friends, our families, and our, and our careers. And I think with this, this new uh, phase of life and this new shape of work being fully remote, we've been taking advantage of that too. So I think the the growth is there and the expansion. So those, those would be the two words and maybe the title of of this next chapter. No, I think that's perfect. I think that for many people, especially going with COVID, going you know during COVID, that would be their titles as well. But I'm kind of curious, what was that thing that you found during COVID that excited you, that you are now going to be incorporating into the rest of your life? Uh, good question. So I, I think um, I, I've never worked remote uh, in my career, and I, I didn't think it would work for me. I actually really liked going to the office. Mm -hmm. um, as you mentioned, I've been at LinkedIn for about five years. Previous to that, I was at a startup here in San Francisco. And I really valued like being around people that gives me energy. Um, it's helped a ton in, in my career. And I didn't know if like the, the transition to remote work would, would really uh, be great for me personally and, and the energy I draw from people and all of those things. Um, but I think what, what's excited or what's been most exciting about this, this new phase is having the ability to, to press pause and know that, that you can really do your best work from from anywhere as long as you're still focusing on on the human connections that that give you energy if, if that's what gives you energy um 
we have been fortunate enough to really travel around the country and to continue to to do our day jobs and not only to do our day jobs, but um, to do them better than we ever have in the past. Um, so if we can be closer to family one month, um, we've been spending the summer in, in Cape Cod close to my family. Um, we were just in, in Miami for a few weeks visiting family there. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been to, to Colorado. Um, we, we've just been all over um, Southern California. And we'll spend three weeks a month in, in different places and still have our home base be here in San Francisco. But I think that's been the most exciting. Um, that and spending more time with with our dog. <laughs> I think dogs are, are the real winners of this pandemic. Oh, for sure. Uh, because they're like, they're always here right outside the door in fact in this case but yeah i think those those are the two big ones it's really changed uh the way i think about my productivity and and the value of of remote work has really changed our lives for the better i love that and i think i think we'll get kind of into remote work a little bit more during when we really dive into this conversation but i think it's awesome that you've been able to find that ability or you found a job right now, you, you know, you've been lucky enough to find that job that allows you to travel three, three weeks out of the month and be able to see all these places, stay with family, friends and all that. No, I think that's perfect. Definitely is a way to really fill that cup that you talk about. Totally. So what do you think you've had this journey and everything else? What, what are you still trying to prove to yourself? What do you still want to accomplish? Um, I, I think, um, I've, I've always been the type of person, I think I was born with, with a chip on my shoulder, um, and, and kind of the need to, to prove to myself and those around me that, that I can do more, be more. Um, and I don't think any amount of success, any amount of money, um, homes, whatever the, whatever the, um, kind of material value you place on those things. I don't know that that there's ever going to be a point where I'm fully satisfied, and I recognize that about myself. I think the the chip is there to stay. Um, I think from from a very young age, uh, my father, who's who's one of my biggest role models, um, he just instilled the importance of uh, persistence and grit um, and and consistency. And those are the things that I wake up to every day. I think I'm a um, I'm energized by high energy people, but I think grit is the the one thing that I can point to that has been instilled in me. And I think that leads to the the never ending chip on my shoulder, but it, it can be uh, detrimental at times, but overall, I think it's, it's a positive thing. Um, so, so to answer your question, what am I still trying to prove to myself is, um, it, anything and everything. I think I'm just going to keep keep going, keep, keep chipping away. And I, yeah. I don't know if th- that will ever change. Yeah, you'll just always find something else that you need to prove. And which I think is, that's a good way to drive, right? That's how people get to drive and go more. What do you think? What's this next thing that you're trying to prove to yourself? Good question. Um, so I am... Um, just speaking, uh, I, I think I've, I, I break it down into personal goals, professional goals. Um, I'm, I'm taking on a new role at, at LinkedIn that's focused on uh, the enterprise space. And, and we actually just did, did a reorg internally. Um, I don't know how much of that is, is external facing uh, just yet, but I think the, the long and short of it there is I'm taking on a new challenge uh, in my uh, capacity at LinkedIn. So that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the what I'm focused on uh, professionally, and then personally, uh, right now, my my husband and I are in the process of figuring out kind of where we want our uh, home base to be. If we want to have a place on the East Coast as well, and go back and forth, um, it was really nice being closer to family. So we're we're spending time uh, personally focusing on kind of home base where we want that to be. Mm-hmm. We'll always have a foot here in San Francisco. Um, but do we want that to be a full-time, uh, place or, or half and half, or that's the, the personal piece. And then professionally is this, this new role at LinkedIn and, uh, focused on how I can drive value there. That makes sense. And I think, you know, thinking about your professional goal, you've done a lot of exploring now at this point where you can kind of find out where you want that home base, but I want to dive a little bit more into this new professional side, right? That's kind of why we're here. I want to discuss the future of work and where, Where's LinkedIn, one of the largest you know, kind of the business-minded companies? Um, where are they thinking it's going to go and everything else? So I think you're the perfect person to talk about. 
So my first yeah. question for you is what career advice would you give to someone just graduating from college or just entering the workforce? Yeah, um, good, good question. So I think when I was was graduating, um, one of the, the main things that um, was was pushed to me was kind of the value of being around interesting, insightful people. Uh, actually, Tom Archer was was a huge influence on me when I graduated. Um, so I looked at a, a few different options, but one of the main things that stuck with me, and, and I think that what's been most valuable for for my career, is first and foremost, um, and I know things have changed during the the pandemic. So um, mm -hmm. th this may be a little less relevant, but I still think it holds true. Um, I think it's moved to a city, right? I think you need to move to um, a city and meet as many people as you possibly can. Uh, so every every job I've had in my career has been through uh, a friend or a friend of a friend, every single job. Uh, and, and I don't think that that's going to change. I think every job that I will ever have, period, will be a result of a friend or a friend of a friend. Um, and, and I think especially in highly competitive spaces, whatever company that is, whether it's a tech company like uh, LinkedIn, Google, Facebook, uh, mm -hmm. Twitter, et cetera, or other companies like these jobs are inundated uh, with applications. Uh, I think right now it's kind of a, a worker's market and you can really uh, probably find a, a good job with maybe the best pay that's um, been available in maybe decades. Mm -hmm. um, but I think part of that is meeting as many people as you can to get your name to the top of that list. Um, and, and kind of the, the other way I think about this is, and this was data from a few years ago, but two thirds of the economic growth um, in the country take place in cities, right? So if you can even take a fraction of that um, and, and take that with you and, and upskill uh, with, with the people around you. I, from the time I moved to San Francisco, uh, years and years ago, I, I always tried to be the, the person with the least amount of knowledge in the room. And I think that just up-leveled my skills. It enabled me to meet a ton of really interesting people. Um, and then you can always go back home. I think I was a bit reluctant to move away from family, to, to move away from close friends, to leave what I've known. But you can always change course in life. Um, so I think moving to a city, you can always change course, but it's the most valuable. And if you can do it right after you graduate college, or if you don't go to college, vocational school, whatever it is, um, the goal there is just to move to a place where there's a lot of interesting, uh, driven people to uplevel your skills by being around them. And that will carry you throughout your career. I'm, I'm fully confident in that. And that can be in a social sense as well, right? Go out, um, with your friends, meet more people. And those are the people where you, those people open doors. A um, couple of other things, I think um, just having grit and determination. Um, this is uh, old school advice, but my, my grandfather. My father, other people, I think the traditional advice is first in the office, last step, like all of these traditional uh, kind of tropes, but I think there's something to that. I think um, smart people can identify the doers versus the talkers. And I think if you can just get caught with your head down doing most work, um, it, you're, you're going to be rewarded for that. I think being curious, um, asking questions, listening more than you talk. Um, if you can find a, a great partner uh, and spouse, if, if you want to do that along the way, great. I think that is going to enhance your, your earning power uh, and just potentially the happiness in your life. I know it has for me, uh, but I think the main thing is move to a city, be around as many interesting um, thoughts. No, no, I'm happy to close the, the loop there. Um, so yeah, little connectivity issue. I shut off video just so we could um, limit the bandwidth there. But um, I think just the, the old kind of tried and true First, first one in the office, last, last one out. Like those things are changing, but I do think, from a a grit uh, perspective, those things are, are still important. And I do think that uh, smart people, the people that are making hiring decisions uh, and, and promotion decisions, really know the difference between uh, the workers and the doers. So I just think get caught doing 
uh, and, and get caught uh, just with your head down working and, and doing the things that other people might not be willing to do is really important. Um, I, I think the last two are, are just being, being curious, listening more than you talk, um, asking great questions, uh, being genuinely curious. Uh, and then if you can, if you're fortunate enough, and if this, this is what you want, uh, finding a great partner um, is also part of it. I think for me, um, my marriage, it, it can increase your earning power, uh, your, your happiness, both professionally and personally. Um, you can have kind of a built-in sounding board. So that's been a huge, huge value to my life. And, and if that's something that you'd like, I think that's, that's a huge value for just career and, and personal satisfaction. Um, so those are, those are the few things, but I think the main thing is just being around interesting, uh, inquisitive people. And, and I think you can find that in major cities, uh, and then that can benefit your life going forward. No, I think that's perfect advice. You know, I think about even, I kind of give this perspective to my younger brother who just moved to Indianapolis with me and everything is trying, he's just graduated from the technical school and is in the process of trying to find his footing in a city. And I told him, like, I'm from a small rural town and everything. And so the uh, the ability for him to kind of move here and find different opportunities, meet new people like what you recommended, I think is so important for him. And whether or not he stays in the city or not, at least he he was able to have that experience in the end. Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly it. You can always change course. Mm -hmm. um, it's it, it's like tennis, right? Like if you're volleying with someone, you you play better uh, and you upskill yourself when you're playing against people that are better than you. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the same thing in life, right? Like if you can be in a room with people that are, are smarter, um, have more knowledge than you in, in specific areas, that will make you better. And those are the people that will lift you up and really help you in your career. Um, so, and I think the best way to do that right out of, right out of school, or just when you want to start, cause you don't even have to go, go to school quite frankly for this, but right when you want to get on the professional ladder is to, to move to a city and be surrounded by these people that can, uh, that can help you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, let's jump in a little bit more into the future conversation. So obviously we kind of talked about what career advice, but for the future of work, what are some skills or industries that people can't, that you think are relevant in the next five to 10 years that employees should be looking at? Good, good question. Um, and, and I'm not sure I have all of the answers here, but I think, um, what I found, and, and this is just a, a personal habit, I spend at least at least an hour a day uh, reading, and that is uh, that's broken down to like news. I have Apple News was kind of aggregates news, um, or just kind of books, uh, magazines, articles, whatever it is, uh, and that's where I gain kind of a lot of knowledge from from the skills and what skills are valuable right now, what skills are, are valuable in the future. Um, I think. Uh, just a quick Google search on top skills is also really valuable. So LinkedIn puts out um, a workplace learning report um, every year that, that maps a lot of those skills. Um, they actually publish a number of articles a year that can map specific skills to what skills are relevant. Um, and, and just to sp speak on LinkedIn for, for one second more, uh, we have access to, I believe now it's like 720 million members mm. on the platform. Um, and, and we map a lot of these skills to, to specific roles. So it's a really interesting project. It's called the economic graph. Um, I would recommend everyone Google that to, to get a little bit more information, but, um, it shows the, the skills that are most in demand and you can see them listed. Um, you can actually link to, to specific courses if you want to get those skills. Um, interestingly enough, a, a lot of those skills are soft skills. I think um, the the conventional knowledge is those would always be technical skills, right? Like uh, coding, HTML5, Six Sigma, any of those um, technical skills. But it's, that's not always the case. I, I believe the last time I looked, like four of the five um, most in-demand skills were, were soft skills. So things like creativity, persuasion, uh, collaboration, adaptability, um, et cetera. 
Um, so those are always changing. I think soft skills um, might surprise some people that are that are on that list. But um, yeah, I highly recommend doing some digging on LinkedIn um, and just a quick Google search. Uh, and I did this before we, we hopped on. We'll lead you to a number of those articles that link out to courses where you can learn those skills and then attach that to, to your professional brand, whether that's LinkedIn, um, something more traditional like a resume. Um, mm-hmm. If, if those are still being used <laughs> and um, I think they, a little bit, I think they are still, about, I don't know. I haven't applied for a job in a couple of years now. But. It's mid. I, well, the thing, the only thing I refuse to do is a cover letter. Like, yeah. I don't even know what that is. No, those don't make any sense anymore. Really. Yeah. That makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> um, thinking about, well, this is kind of that perfect shift thinking about, you know, applying for jobs and everything. Obviously, you know, you've shared some resources that I will link in the bio and everything to some of the reports that LinkedIn puts out. But I want to think about from the employer perspective. I think we'll have listeners on both ends of employee employer. So if you're managing a team or leading a company, how do you identify the skills your staff needs to be successful? Uh, good, good question. So um, I, I've done a a lot of interviews uh, in the the startup I worked for previously, and even at LinkedIn, hiring for for the team that I'm on. Um, I've never been a hiring manager. Um, I really like my uh, autonomy and my individual contributor role. Um, my husband's actually just moved back into management, leading like mid market enterprise at a um, tech startup, and and I think we have a, a similar philosophy in in what we hire for. And, and I don't know if this is necessarily um, conventional thinking, but I think most skills can be learned relatively easily if you have the right person that's willing to, to learn them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not talking about people that are going to be uh, surgeons or, or CPAs or lawyers or anything that's the type of specific, specific that requires um, eight plus years of of education. I'm talking about the skills and kind of the changing workforce that that we're in. Um, so the thing I hire for uh, is just energy and and grit and discipline. Mm. And, and those those three things, I think if the, the, the person has the right energy, um, and I truly believe this, I, I'm energized by high energy people. Um, they can kind of lift themselves up when things aren't going their way. They have chips on their shoulder that have a ton of grit and determination to just get after it every single day. I think skills can be taught. Like if you have all of those things, if you're high energy, if you lift people up around you, like those things are contagious. And if that person needs to go learn how to code, if that person needs to, to learn how to make pivot tables in Excel or, or be better at persuasion or just the foundational sales skills that are needed for like an enterprise sales role or customer success, I, I, I would hire less for skills and I would hire more for um, qualities like energy, uh, grit and discipline. I, I think those are things that can't be taught. Uh, and I think the skills piece can. Um, and that's not to say it's, it's that's always the case. But I think that's that's how I think about from an employer perspective. And also, I've had the, the pleasure of working for a ton of great managers at LinkedIn. And they've always, they've felt very similar. And that maybe someone uh, doesn't have as many skills on paper as the person that they hired. And the person that they hired just had really good energy. They were going to be a, a kind of a great fit for the team and lifting those people up around them. Um, and they just they were just get shit done type of people. <laughs> and those are the people people want to be around in high performing teams. And I think the skills piece can come after uh, if you have those things. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. Um, what are some skills that, or I guess if someone has that grit and discipline energy, right? We want those things to bring into your team. How would you suggest someone hone in those other skills? Maybe those soft skills that you kind of mentioned earlier or, um, maybe some skills that their employer kind of determined that they want to improve, or even as an individual, they knew they want to improve. What are some resources or other things that they could um, increase those skills? Yeah, good, good question. Um, 
I think uh, just to do a, a quick plug for what I do at, at LinkedIn Learning, um, we have over uh, these, we have, let's see what it is now, like over 10,000 courses uh, on the LinkedIn Learning Library where you can learn soft skills, technical skills, anything from from coding to how to be a, more, a new manager to diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, to, to the, the soft skills I mentioned earlier, things like creativity, persuasion, collaboration, uh, adaptability. Um, all of those can be be learned on, on LinkedIn Learning. And, and quite frankly, there's other tools that do that as well. Um, but the value there is um, after you graduate from a traditional four-year university, or if you, or if you choose not to do that, mm-hmm. um, there's ways to learn these skills now that, that weren't available before. And it's access to information taught by subject matter experts that are at your fingertips that you can then kind of add to your professional brand, right? So if you're taking uh, courses on on LinkedIn Learning or a competitor or um, uh, any of those tools outside of the kind of traditional um, traditional college experience, you can then add those certificates directly to your LinkedIn profile. And then you can speak to that in in a resume, right? If if you if you're going down uh, the line and you're applying for a role and you see a couple of things you might feel um, you you lack the skills in, or maybe a little bit in some insecurity gaps, right, on your your resume based on what they're looking to hire for, um, go take a few courses, right, um, and then add that um, to to your LinkedIn profile and say, hey. Um, here's what I've done to, to make up for this gap. And you can really tell the story. I think a lot of it's the story you tell about the skills that you have and how you apply those skills. Um, but I think the value now is those tools are available anytime, anywhere on your phone. Uh, and then you can speak to them in a really powerful way when you're going for, for new roles, whether that's at the company you're currently at or you're trying to make an industry switch. Um, you can really gain gain access to those those skills easier than than previously available yeah i think that's perfect and you know why don't we take a second since you mentioned it can you explain a little bit more to our listeners kind of what is linkedin learning i know you're kind of working within that and everything but can you just provide like you know what kind of services what are some popular courses all of that yeah absolutely um so linkedin learning uh the long and short of it is i work with our enterprise uh clients as they look to upskill, develop, and retain their workforce. Uh, LinkedIn Learning is, uh, in short, a one-stop shop for on-demand development. Um, it's what's been described as almost like a Netflix for for corporate learning or, or for learning, for that matter. Mm. Um, and it's just a, a way for employers to upskill their employees or individuals just to upskill on their own. Um, and we have uh, thousands of courses. All of the courses are taught by subject matter experts. Um, so if you want to learn anything from, again, how to code um, or soft skills or public speaking um, or creative tools like Adobe, um, you can take those courses, learn those skills. If you'd like, you can then attach those skills directly to your professional brand on LinkedIn. You can download the certificates, um, but it really provides a ton of value. I think um what we've seen is the shelf life of a skill right um when my when my grandparents entered the workforce if my grandmother wanted to be a secretary um she could go to school or a program gain those skills and those skills would last a career those skills would last 50 years Mm -hmm. and the shelf life of, of a skill has gone from 50 years to now where it's around like a year and a half, because as soon as there's a new version of Word, we need to know that new version to be functional in our job. Um, so the shelf life of a skill is, is changing so rapidly. We all need to be lifelong learners to keep up with the pace of change and to actually uh, kind of even stay at parity in, in our current roles. So if you want to do do well in your career, you really need to constantly be retooling and reevaluating, hey, what do I need to learn today to make sure that that I'm going to be um, kind of as as relevant and powerful in the workforce as I am uh, today? And that's something that's never happened before. So I think 
the shelf life of a skill is something that that we try to address as a company and, and individuals really need to take seriously because uh, it's not something that's going to going to change it's or it's not something that's going to um kind of decelerate this is accelerating more quickly um i even th- like i think about like crypto and nfts and and i already feel um inadequate and and old um yeah but I mean, that's okay right technology is moving so fast we're not even into like the metaverse stuff that has come like now crypto and nfts seem kind of old compared to what like when you look at the metaverse and what that what kind of potential um i guess changes that will make to totally. to work yeah. and everything else yeah and i think i think as long as you approach things with with curiosity uh and you're willing to really dig in um i i think that will serve anyone well uh in this life i i just think the shelf life of a skill is something that we need to become comfortable with in uh, accelerating more and more quickly, and we need to be able to reskill more and more quickly uh, to to meet that change. Yeah, and so you say a skill now from when our grandparents were there was fifty years that they could learn one skill and it would basically be applied for their entire career. Now it's you said what a year, a year and a half at this point. Yeah, uh, around there. It, and this yeah. is the the last the last time I checked, so rough numbers, but yes. Yeah, those are those are things that are just kind of shifting and changing more rapidly than ever. I think I think that's probably one of the most the um, starkest, I guess, cons- like statistics you've given so far is that you know you go to school for four years to learn this job and everything else, and those skills then like how long do they actually last post grad before you know X thing gets introduced or this gets updated and then it's like those skills are now um, outdated. And so yeah. that's that's tough to kind of dialogue. Uh, we we mentioned that we're going into like NFTs, metaverse, and so I want to just dive into this. Not not too much because I don't know if either one of us are experts on any of those things. I'm actually even talking to a guy here in a couple of weeks about NFTs and crypto and everything. But I wanted to talk about technology more and really kind of see your thoughts and LinkedIn's thoughts on you know what kind of technology is just struck disrupting the workplace right now? And then how do you think that will impact the way that future generations will kind of work? I I think the just the obvious ones and the ones that I think about are the way that um, Zoom, uh, what we're on right now, uh, the the Google suite, uh, Microsoft Teams, the the company I work for, uh, uh, Microsoft, they're the the big change agents in the space right now. Um, I think that with, with COVID, um, this has been a really interesting use case on on the future of work and where people can work and what's possible. Um, I think about uh, before the pandemic and I, a lot of my uh, friends, colleagues are in the people space and HR, and there there's never really been uh, a ton of research um, or, or uh, acceptability of like a work from home culture, at least on a large scale. I think a lot of companies say that they um, leaned into work from home. I, I don't know if that was ever really true. I think it was always kind of frowned upon. I, I, I think people, there's research that people that worked remote were um, promoted less frequently, mm. all sorts of things. And I think the, the conventional wisdom was not as productive um, and, and just kind of out of the loop in, in the corporate space. I think that because of of Zoom, uh, Teams, the Google Suite, uh, WebEx, um, we've been able to transform how we work and also now have a ton of data on not only has this changed the face of work, but now we have a ton of use cases and data around how productive people actually are. Um, and and that can be a, a good or a bad thing. I think that a number of companies that I work with have found that this has made employees more productive um, and, and more productive in a way that has led to a huge amount of, of burnout and attrition. Um, so, so I think the short answer is all of these tools we use today to connect and to work and be, to be productive um, has led to a, a whole new world, the world we're in now. We'll see um, what the, the future of this looks like. 
But now I think it's, no, the people that are working from home aren't less productive, aren't lazy, aren't, aren't kind of dodging their responsibilities. In fact, they're having uh, difficulty separating their work from their personal lives. Mm-hmm. They're having trouble closing their laptops to recharge. Um, they're burning out. Um, and I think it's led to um, this kind of the the opposite of what HR teams and people teams thought would be true. And then now it's how do we make sure people are um, having uh, their mental health needs be met and that they're taking time for themselves and that we're not burning out and, and losing people uh, and so on. So short answer is I think all of the tools that, that we're using today and it's led to some really interesting conversations from, from the people teams that I work with on, hey, we thought people might not be as productive. They're actually more productive, sometimes too productive. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But I think the, the short answer is all of the tools that we're using and even the tools we're using right now. Because I think the plan was we were going to do this in person, right? Which I would have mm-hmm. loved to do. Um, I was in Los Angeles at the time, but it just shifted because all of these things are still possible. We're just using these these tools to get our work done. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you think about this example, I think that's a good good one here is we can, we're how many miles away? Or at least, four, you know, we're four time zones away, thousands of miles, and we can still have this conversation just like we were in the same room together at this point. Totally. And so I know that offers up a lot of opportunities for many people. Um, let me ask you this, when it comes to tech, do you, how do you think that applies? Because I think we talk a lot about like the corporate space and everything. How do you mm-hmm. think that applies uh, technology and everything? How would that apply to some more maybe labeled like blue collar jobs, so whether that's servers or uh, maybe mechanics, those kind of those roles, do you see tech or does LinkedIn see tech as um, a big change factor there? Or is it mostly focused around that corporate space? Um, good question. So how do, how does like LinkedIn think about the the more traditionally blue collar roles? Is mm-hmm. that the question? Yeah, and if technology would would affect um, those kind of roles at all, or if you guys, if you know, we're starting to think about that, kind of like how remote work affects corporate jobs a lot more right now than they would the more blue collar jobs. Yeah, good, good question. Um, from as a side note, from a uh, from a LinkedIn standpoint, there's been a huge focus um, on on the blue collar workforce in in the United States and engaging them on on the platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, our our mission is to connect uh, connect the world's workforce to economic opportunity, and and we can only do that when we're reaching everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really want to connect everyone to, to more economic opportunity. So there's been a big lean in on, on the blue collar workforce um, space. Um, I don't, the, the answer to question on from kind of uh, servers and other lines of work is, is I don't know, only because I um, have never worked uh, to, to serve that space. I am just B2B in the sense that I work with other companies, some remote, some not. Um, so I've worked with a couple of uh, companies that have a very heavy kind of manufacturing population, mm-hmm. and they have rolled out uh, LinkedIn Learning to uh, to that segment of the population as well um, to teach things like management skills, to teach conflict resolution, to um, to teach collaboration, um, and all of those things. Also, um, in the the um, construction space to uh, upskill people on technical things like Bluebeam uh, mm-hmm. and the, the tech stack that they use from a productivity perspective. Also people that are moving from like foremen um, up the line to, to be people leaders. Yeah. Um, that's something that I focused on. It's, it's definitely something that those employers are talking about. Um, and I'm just speaking specifically in uh, the manufacturing and construction space, because that's the, the only kind of purview I have into this line of work. Um, the, the war on talent is happening uh, with everyone. Yeah. And I think the rise of the, the millennial and now Gen Z workforce into these types of industries, it's led uh, these companies to rethink uh, the benefits and the options that they're providing, not only to their desk workers, 
um, or the workers that are kind of tethered to, to a laptop that can work in the office or remote. Uh, but also these more traditional industries, it's it's providing upskilling tools like like LinkedIn Learning or other things to to people that are in manufacturing, and that opens doors too, right? Do they want to move into new lines of work? Do they just want to upskill and kind of climb the ladder and what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, that's my only purview in, into that um, line of work. I'm sure there's a, a ton more that can be said. I just don't think I'm the one to to necessarily say it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I you know I. Some things that you said just made me think of it. So I was curious, but I think you answered the question even when it comes to construction, right? Is, you know, you are seeing those, you know, manufacturing jobs and everything else moving into, you know, how can we improve the knowledge and the skills of our current workers? Not just, hey, we're going to just work you, you know, work you to the bone until you're done and you're 60 years old, but we're going to help you try to improve and do the things that you want to through technologies like LinkedIn Learning. And everything so that makes sense Absolutely. Um, one of my final questions before we kind of we kind of start to wrap up is i just want to talk about linkedin a little bit more and really learn how you how you guys how you see companies um, utilizing the platform to hire upskill or reskill um, their workforce the company's workforce um so uh, at LinkedIn, we have a, a number of different tools. Uh, we view ourselves as kind of the, we have this one LinkedIn approach or the, a one-stop shop from, from a talent perspective. Um, so our traditional business, just to give a, a quick overview, is our hiring solution. Um, so companies uh, will use LinkedIn to recruit, uh, to, to find, target, and recruit kind of the best and brightest uh, into their organization. Uh, once they're in the organization, uh, you can also use LinkedIn Learning to upskill, uh, develop, and retain talent by um, upskilling them constantly, keeping them in seat, and ultimately growing their, their skills. We know the number one reason why employees leave companies now is lack of development, so we can really hedge against that. Um, something we recently added is a, a tool called Glint. Um, essentially, it is a super robust survey monkey for companies to get uh, a pulse on the employee sentiment and how to improve things that, that may not be going so well and highlight things that, that are going really well to help engage employees and, and help drive positive cultural change. Um, and then the, the final two, um, which kind of sit within or, or maybe a little bit outside the, the plan, hire, develop um, talk track that I talk about often is we have a marketing solution um, which would help company market their products. Um, and then lastly is, is what we call LinkedIn Sales Solutions. So that's a tool uh, similar to LinkedIn Recruiter in some way that helps sales professionals to uh, find and target the right leads and, and ultimately convert those leads into to sales. Um, so really a whole, a whole suite of tools. And we've seen a ton of growth um, since I joined a little over five years ago. Um, and, and I think we'll, we'll see that growth well into the future. So yeah, it's an exciting place to be. And if I can... As a side note, um, lend a, a helping hand to anyone that, that might want to join LinkedIn or has any questions. I'm I'm all ears, so feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that, and I think along with you know your your contact and having guys reach out to you and listeners reach out to you. Um, what are some other if, if guys are kind of interested in the future work and just wanting to do more research and eat, whether that's with skills or just technology in general, do you have any resources, podcasts, articles, anything like that, that you might suggest to those individuals? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm on uh, LinkedIn every day. So I think the, the main um, place to go for like up-to-date news articles is on the right-hand side, you'll see kind of trending news in the business space. That's an aggregator, right? So it's going to, the the things that's getting the most, the articles that are getting the most traction um, are going to populate to the top. I always, I, I start my day there and I think that's super valuable. Um, from a podcast perspective, uh, specifically in the tech and upselling space, um, I don't think there's anyone better than Scott Galloway. I've been listening to him for years. Um, he is a no bullshit type of guy that is uh, incredibly uh, intelligent and um, thoughtful. Um, so he has a, a podcast called The Prof G Show or The Prof, B, Prof G Pod that's 
I think my favorite podcast. Um, and then there's also one called Pivot, which is him and Kara Swisher, who is a tech writer, um, just super informative. And they talk about the future of work often. They talk about um, IPOs uh, in the tech space and elsewhere and in the intersection of a lot of kind of social issues in business. Um, so super import- informative there. Um, and then I'm an avid reader of, of the New York Times and, and the, the Daily um, and kind of all the usual uh, NPR, um, mm-hmm. the list goes on. But those are a few that I, I recommend. Yeah, no, I think that's perfect. And all those will be listed in, in your description, everything within the episode. So, Ryan, I appreciate you diving in, you know, talking about LinkedIn, the future of work, all the things that you do. Um, this has been really informative for me and I'm really excited. Um, I'm kind of excited for the future with this remote work and everything else, but just learning a little bit more about LinkedIn learning and how, you know, whether it's myself, our listeners, yourself, anyone can kind of go on and just continue to upskill where they're at. My final question, I always, I've asked almost every guest this, I think is what is your favorite or the best compliment a stranger has ever given to you? Good question. Um, so I've been lucky enough to have a few. Um, I think the the one that always uh, the one that always strikes me. I just love um, people say you you're a really kind person, and you when you're with someone, you give them their their your full attention. Um, I I think we're in a world of hyper distraction. Um, I think when when you meet people and you're intentional with your time, you can intake a lot of information. You can be extremely successful um, as a person. Um, you can be inundated with information. But I think when when you're spending your time intentionally and you're with someone, you can kind of put down your phone and just speak to them face to face and and let them know that they have your full uh, an undivided attention. I think some of my favorite people taught me that early in life and I, I try to pass that along. So I think a kindness goes a long way and just spending your time intentionally and following through on that and just being conscious, um, of, of giving people, people your time fully, um, and not kind of one foot in the door, one foot out. Uh, so those are the, those are the two that I like to hear the most. Um, and, and yeah, I think, I think those are the two. I love it. I think, I think that's how we end it. That, that is perfect. So Ryan, thank you so much. Powering through the technical difficulties that we had. (laughs) I think it turned out great. I love it. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andrew. And yeah, if you're ever in San Francisco, um, let me know and yeah, happy to, uh, to hop on with, with anyone that wants to connect after I'm, I'm always here as a resource. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. 